Robert Wunderlich is the owner and head professor at the Academy of Jiu-Jitsu in Arvada, Colorado. This is the first episode of a two-part series that I want to bring to you to discuss what it's like to experience jiu-jitsu, men's work, and personal growth as we work our way through a global pandemic. And part two of this series comes next week where we follow up almost a year later to see how much we've grown, how our connection and relationship has deepened in the past year, and what we can do to contribute to society, our community, family, and our jujitsu teammates. If you find value in this episode, please subscribe to the podcast now. Give us a five-star rating and a written review. That really goes a long way to getting the message of the Challenger podcast out to more people. And share it with one person that you feel would get benefit from today's conversation. Without further delay, let's get into today's episode with Robert Wunderlich. I'm honored to be joined by Robert Wunderlich. How are you? Very well. How are you, David? Oh, fantastic. Thanks again for joining me. Just give us a little bit of background about who you are before we jump into our conversation. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, man, I've been in the jiu-jitsu community for, uh, in Colorado for uh, just a little over 16 years now. Um, you know, I started under uh, Dave Ruiz at Colorado Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu in 2004. Um, you know, I've been uh, refing and um, <laughs> competing and, you know, teaching Jiu-Jitsu for, for that whole time. So um, that's kind of where my realm of Jiu-Jitsu really kind of takes place. And then, um, you know, I have a master's degree in anthropology from the University of Wyoming. Um, I was a professional archaeologist for about 18 years in the state of Colorado and surrounding states. So yeah, I've kind of had a you know, as you get older, you collect a lot of things, right? So <laughs> at least monikers. <laughs> sure. I hear, I hear what you're collecting is more like degrees and, uh, well, two degrees in black belt and jujitsu as well. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, yeah, I'm a second degree black belt. Um, you know, I got my black belt in 2012. So um actually about to celebrate my eighth year as a black belt next month. And yeah, it's, um, you know, like, is, it's crazy how time goes, right? Um, when you're younger, it seems like it can't go fast enough. When you're older, it's like, you can't seem to slow it down. So, um, especially with, you know, I've got two kids. Um, and, uh, you know, my daughter's going to be six years old in January. And that's, that like, that's blowing my mind. She lost her first tooth a couple days ago. So, you know, it's like, man, you hear it all the time, like they grow up so fast, but they do, man. It's like you snap your fingers and it's gone, you know? So, and I'd say that that's, uh, that's, that's a tribute to also, you know, that, that can be also um, seen in jujitsu, you know? Like I remember the day that I was like, dude, I'm going to get a black belt in this. You know, I, I was a white belt. I still remember the day, like, dude, this is going to be something I do the rest of my life. And I declared that. And, you know, I made that statement in my head and, and I was like, at the same time, that like overwhelming, like feeling of like, holy moly, it's going to take forever. Yeah. You know, like, I mean, it's just that constant seeking that black belt. And that, you know, that took eight years, eight years is a long time, um, you know, but now I'm about to double that time, you know, and, and having been in a, a black belt for eight years, I like, that blows my mind just knowing that, man, that as much time as it took to get one, that much time has passed already. And, um, in that sense, it's, uh, it's just, a it's a crazy feeling, man. You know, like it's, it's, it goes like that, you know, it, it literally just passes by so quickly. So, um, for all those that, you know, are, are hitting plateaus or hitting, you know, like all those other times that, you know, we, we have those times in jujitsu where we don't feel like we're progressing in, enough or, but really that's just a reflection on ourselves more so than it is on anything else. Um, it's just ourselves convincing our, you know, convincing us that we're not progressing when in reality, we just need to change our field of focus and change our view and understand that like, okay, where I'm adding these things up in this maybe less, you know, um, noticeable area, I'm still, I'm still adding pieces of the puzzle. Yeah, no doubt about that. And my daughter turned 18 this year. So I, uh, you snap your fingers and all of a sudden they're an adult and, 
uh, she starts calling me out on adult stuff now, as opposed to just like, oh, you're not letting me spend time with my friends. Well, okay, that's fair when you're 13, 14. Now we're talking about real stuff as adults and opening up the conversation of like, Maddie, how do you want our relationship to be like now that we are, you're 18? Man, <laughs> I, 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 <laughs> having, having, a, having a kindergarten and a pre, you know, my son's three. So um, having those two kids and thinking about like how differently our realms are in, in you know, parenting, you know, is, is, is also something that like blows my mind, you know, like whew, those days and those days will be right around the corner, man. You know, like she's going to be six, she'll be 10 you know, like that. And then every, you know, like, man, it's going to be just along for the ride, bro. Just trying to take it one day at a time. Right. Amen to that. Yeah. My daughter is actually uh, the reason I'm in jujitsu. Um, I watched her uh, go with her stepdad for a couple of years. And when I recognized that CBJJ West was around the corner from my business, I started with their boxing program. And then I, I felt comfortable enough to get on the mat. And I thought, shoot, if my 13-year-old daughter can do it, I can do it. Absolutely. I see a lot of, you know, for us, um, you know, I'm the owner and, you know, co-owner with my business partner, Ruben Morgan, um, at the Academy of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu Arvada. Um, you know, like, that's something that we pride ourselves on, he and I, you know, like, we um, pride ourselves on the fact that, like, we want, we want whole families to train. You know, like we want entire families to train. It's not just the kids coming in. It's it's the entire family coming in and, and enjoying something that they all can relate to and all learn from um, and all progress as human beings. You know, <clears throat> I think uh, I'm a firm believer in jujitsu being something that can absolutely change your life. Um, Agreed. You know, it's just an avenue to it becomes a. I tell my students this, like um avoid asking questions like why questions like why can't i get this you know like why can't you know why am i not better why like those are like you can hear even the tone of my voice right like yeah those why questions are like a downward trajectory it's like digging in something on what you're not good enough at whereas like instead in that realm i ask them like how can i be better at this you know what is it that i need or what questions how questions what what is it that i need to make this better instead of why can't i get this you know like it's a closed loop if you say why can't i get this you know whereas if you say something like along the lines of like well how can i better get this or you know maybe i just haven't gotten this yet i just need to put in more work um but yeah, man, to like, uh, it, it's ever expanding. And when you, when you have that ability to, to create a why, getting back to those why questions, like you get, you get whys for why you do something else differently. It becomes your why that you'll eat healthier. It becomes your why, you know, why you'll sacrifice going out and partying or drinking with your friends. You know, it becomes your, your why to like, Hey, uh, you know, is it, is it eat out, you know, six times a week, or is it that I pay my jujitsu, you know, tuition fees and I, I, I go to, to do jujitsu, you know, it, it, it's a, it's the why for the sacrifices that you make in life. Yeah, true. Very true. And that helps us in a personal growth dimension across the board. I, I do recall um, having a conversation with a jujitsu teammate just the other night on Wednesday, you know, I'm, I'm training three days a week now and uh, we were talking about the Saturday morning class, which I really enjoy. It's a no-gi class, and uh, no-gi is not a strength of mine. I prefer the gi, but uh, he's like, hey, why is the Saturday 10 a.m. hard for you? Because you, you want to go out Friday night? And gosh, it's been a really long time since I've gone out on a Friday night. And that 10 a.m., if I were to go to that class tired or hungover, and I, I don't drink anymore, but if I were to go in either of those um, capacities, I might get hurt. You know, I, I might actually not understand what to your point of like, why am I not getting this? Okay, well, you're prioritizing a late night Friday and you're so fatigued mentally and your central nervous system isn't adapting 
to what you're supposed to learn on the mat on Saturday, there's a good answer to why we're plateaued, why we're stuck. Well, and it becomes a, it, it also becomes a why for the, the thought processes that we start to have, right? Like, um, you know, it becomes your why to be more mentally aware of your surroundings. It becomes your why to, you know, like, man, maybe I shouldn't be so hard on myself. It's, you know, like as adults, like kids are learning constantly. Their little brains are just sucking in information, especially like kids at my age. They're just taking in information all the time. And I think as adults, we, we create this, I mean, we create this avenue where we, we feel that we must, that we should, that we like, we see someone else and it's like, well, that person's only been doing it six months longer than me. You know, um, I should be, I should be able to do what they do. And it's, it's like, okay, well, that person might train 12 times a week. And in six months you train three times a week. And that's, that's two years of difference then. Right. Like literally that's like two for what you will get in two years. They've done in six months. That's right. You know, so like, that's why, like, it's so important to me to, to illustrate that jujitsu really is a personal journey, just like life is a personal journey and to not, you know, like, I think that this is um, applicable for right now in, in our current climate, you know, it is, it's November 6th, 2020, <laughs> and <laughs> we have some things going on in the world right now. Like I had this discussion with my, with Ruben yesterday, you know, like leaving space open for understanding that like people are people and they're still going to make mistakes, man. They're still going to have, you know, they're still going to have thoughts that lead them to one way. And then, you know, given space and open up space for someone to be like, man, you know, I've never even thought of it that way. Or man, my thinking two months ago is so much different than it is now. Like, like we're so quick like I think in certain circumstances, we're so quick to judge. I think that in, in the social media spheres, it allows us to like, because we get to be disconnected as much as we're connected, we get to like you and I are on the zoom call and, but I could literally call you an asshole to your face right now. And like, what are you going to, you know, like there's not much that you can really do about it because whereas like the social norm for me to just randomly call you that to your face in person would be so much different so like mm -hmm. that disconnect to just rail on people on social media you know is is it blows my mind man and that and how that's eroding some of the you know the ethics of our society you know to to really think that you can say anything to anybody you know like um i've been punched in the face <laughs> you know like i've been punched many times both in classes well i not outside of class, but mostly in classes, but still like I've been punched. I know what that feels like. I know what it feels like to get crushed by another human being. I know what it feels like to basically have my soul leave my body. You know, <laughs> someone's just complete dismantling of me. So when you, and that's like getting back to the conversation of jujitsu, that's why jujitsu is so important because it reminds people of that. It reminds people that they're not you know, like my favorite onion article that came out in the last couple of years was like the, the one titled that men are 5,000% less effective in a fight than they think they are. Right? And I would <laughs> just say that for everything. And I think that people's ability to like, like what happened to debate? What happened to the ability to understand that opinion is just opinion? Mm -hmm. You know, and that like I can, you and I can have differing opinions and we can discuss those differing opinions. And I might take something from your opinion and be like, man, I haven't thought of it that way. And you can take something from my opinion and be like, hmm. And we can both disagree, you know, agree to disagree on some major point, but then we also come to a little bit closer of an agreement in another area. I, I don't know, man, like with my education in, in archeology, span um, you know, and having to be, having been in a grad program where, you know, it was your cohort and that's all you did. Literally, you would be given a reading, and the next time you went into class, you and your cohort would argue over what that person said. Not even argue, but debate. Like, say, well, this is what I think they're really getting at in this, you know, statement. And then another person says, well, I didn't really read it that way. Like, I think it was this. And, and getting to some semblance of that, again, is, is so important. You know, like, 
in the, I mean, in the grand scheme of things, man, like we we all have a lot, like all of us normal civilians, right? Have a heck of a lot more in common than, you know, I would say the the um, the people that we elect to office, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can I can completely understand what you're saying that like we're protected by the screen. So we're just going to sling our, we're going to sling our opinions like they're fact and dismiss the fact that the person across the screen from us may have a differing opinion. And from your perspective, um, education and then education through jujitsu, which would you have envisioned you'd been more likely to succeed at when you were younger? Archaeology or jujitsu? <laughs> well, um, I mean, I was one of those weird kids, man. And I, like, and I'm not, I hope none of that other, that previous conversation, and you can edit this obviously, right? But like, um, but that's not, I'm, I'm, that's an apolitical statement. I'm not, I'm not, it's not, it's not about politics. It's more just about being decent human beings, you know, like Correct. Yeah. treating each other with respect. But to answer this question, um, Whew, man. Um, when I was younger, like, uh, I played football, you know, I, I went to Arvada West high school. Um, I want to, we won a state championship there with Dave Logan, you know, like he's kind of a, in Colorado, a very famous high school coach. Um, especially now with what he's done throughout his career. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Mullen and Chatfield and, um, yeah. Cherry Creek now. And, you know, so like, um, you know, and I mean, he's the, he's the voice for the Broncos, like, and has been for a very long time. So, um, you know, in, in that sense, like I, I, I knew that I was always going to want to be competitive. I was always competitive in that sense. Um, but I also like after football practice, the only reason I bring that up is because after football practice or before football practice, like once classes ended, I'd go home and watch the learning channel or discovery channel. Like when the learning channel was actually about like learning you know, this is the, this is the, the mid to late nineties. Um, we didn't you know, have like, YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't have YouTube and, you know, like they had like on the learning channel, they had shows like that were literally titled archeology, span you know, like where you would go and you would get educated about things. It wasn't just like all this, um, you know, like many of the channels have kind of devolved into only running things that, you know, are, um, uh, reality based, you know? Um, so anyways, um, or pseudoscience in in my opinion, you know, um, but having watched that and having gained some kind of understanding that I went to the university of Northern Colorado, um, for my undergrad. And I went there thinking that I'd be a biologist, you know, I took biology, I think my first or second semester. And I was like, Oh, hell no. (laughs) <laughs> you know, because it was all microbiology and I wanted to deal with stuff with animals, you know, and like the, and then, you know, it just, uh, my third semester up there, I took a class in um, Colorado archaeology um, and it became, you know, uh, my professor, Dr. Brunswick, you know, uh, Dr. Robert Brunswick up there. He was um, the archaeologist, the staff archaeologist at the university and um, the next summer, uh, I really fell in love with it. And then I took another class from him in the spring. Um, and then that next summer I, I joined him and volunteered up in Rocky Mountain National Park, um, doing archeological survey. And, um, that was really kind of the start of my career. Um, so early, you know, it was definitely archeology, span you know, I turned 21 that summer and, um, you know, the following summer I became a crew chief. I was running my own crews, going out doing surveys and, um, you know, finding, finding artifacts, finding features in a cool place like Rocky Mountain National Park and, you know, uh, leading crews and then um, did that another the following summer. Um, so I was up there doing three summers up there and then uh, graduated in December of 2003. And then came back down to Denver and didn't get like a, a professional archaeology job or a private archaeology job until the um, kind of summer of 2004. Um, and then after that, um, you know, my career kind of took off, uh, I got laid off that because archaeology is very seasonal in many respects, Mm -hmm. like, especially when you're, when you're younger in the career, 
Um, you get laid off a lot of the times at the end of the field season because there's just not any more office, you know, there's not enough office work to sustain you. And then I, I moved over um, and then they had another project come up and then I, I got hired on full time and worked for that company for eight years um, and then started my own little company um, in 2012. And yeah, man, it's been, you know, just kind of off and on since then. I, you know, luckily, and that's the thing is like, I, I guess to get to the full answer the story so i started in 2004 doing archaeology and then in this october of 2004 i started jujitsu so like i've been on this like kind of you know parallel path forever you know um in both realms like i definitely started archaeology earlier but um in the professional realm getting out of college it that's those two career paths kind of took off um, you know, I started early, uh, reffing early in jujitsu so that, you know, like I started getting paid for that, you know, so like I was, I, I had income from both, from both realms for, for, yeah, um, long time. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, the parallels is a, is an interesting understanding of jujitsu and life. And just because we do jujitsu doesn't mean that everything else is easy. Just because we, just because we have a master's in archaeology and anthropology, it doesn't mean career is going to be easy, but it definitely makes us more resilient uh, physically. But that doesn't necessarily even correlate to the next level of mental and emotional resiliency, spiritual resiliency, and then financial resiliency. Like my jujitsu bill, my membership is my third largest bill every month. You know, I don't have a car payment, so it's rent, child support, and my jujitsu gym membership. Those are my three priorities, right? But it doesn't make anything else in my life easy. Absolutely not. Um, in all honesty, man, it's um, I, I I constantly tell my you know I tell my students this. This is a lifelong journey. This is something that you know I've devoted to to doing the rest of my life. I'm constantly sharpening my sword right? Like it, I don't, I don't feel that there's techniques in jujitsu that I, I don't know, right. That I shouldn't know better than I already do. And I'm, I say that having done jujitsu for 16 years, you know, like I say that having done moves that I still teach today for 16 years, like one move that I've done for 16 years. And I still am like, I'm still refining this. I'm still figuring out ways that I can do this better. And you're totally right that I can say that in a jiu-jitsu sense, but it's only been in the last two to three years that I've, I've had a much greater ability to start understanding the correlations between life and jiu-jitsu and how I can translate that resiliency and those other aspects into my mental work and into my life. You know, like, man, I've, oh, open up space for someone. What do I need to do when I'm, when someone's on top of me and cross-eyed, like, Hey, I need to, I need to scoot my hips out. I need to create space so I can get a knee back in so I can get back to some semblance of my guard. Right. So, um, but to do that in life, to open up space, to allow someone else to speak their mind and to, you know, like really get a better understanding of where they're coming from. And then, you know, holding that and processing that instead of being reactive, you know, reactive, like, man, um, how many white belts do we see that are just like someone takes cross-eyed and then it's flop and flip and they do everything possible to get out, right? Expend a whole lot of energy. Well, as a 40-year-old adult, I still struggle with the reactiveness, you know, like in real life. Like someone says something and like, nah, I, I really want to react to it instead of just being like, take a breath, relax. Mm -hmm. You know, you can deal with this. You like you do in jujitsu. For me, someone takes cross out on me, even another black belt. Okay. I know I'm safe right now. I know I'm safe. Take a breath, calm down, relax, find the best avenue of escape or have patience to let them move and then find your avenue escape. Whereas in life, it's still, you know, it doesn't always transcend, like you said. Yeah. I'm, I'm really inspired that you started jujitsu before becoming a father. I did it in the other way around <laughs> and jujitsu probably would have had me more resilient as a father to face those um, opportunities to create space with my daughter. 
Yeah. Um, and like I said, man, it's been, you know, it's been a struggle for me too. It's been a struggle for me personally to, to really allow some of that space for my kids. I'm not, I, I, by no means am I going to claim that I'm the perfect parent. I mean, honestly, I don't think that any parent ever will be able to. Like, as human beings, we all know that we're carrying all kinds of luggage. We're all carrying all kinds of wounds. Like, dude, from the time you're zero to five years old, like, it doesn't, like, doesn't matter how good the parent was. It doesn't matter, like, we're going to have wounds from that period. And then those mm -hmm. wounds are going to carry with us for the rest of our lives. And that's, I guess, what we figure out as adults and younger adults is like, okay, I have wounds. That's not necessarily my, the fault of anyone, you know, unless it was the fault of someone, but still, sure, you know what I'm saying, right? Yeah. But um, even in the perfect scenario, we're still going to have something that we have to process, something that we're going to have to deal with. We're all going to have, you know, in a Jungian sense, we're all going to have a shadow. We're all going to have, you know what I mean? Like we're all going to psychologically project. We're all, we're all going to create scapegoats. We're all going to do these mm -hmm. things that, you know, like, can impact and hurt others because of what we're carrying. You know, um, I actually just am finishing up a really good book, um, The Four Agreements, you know? I don't know yeah. if you've read that one. Yeah. But uh, it's, a uh, you know, and just like, that's what I've been reminding myself with this whole thing. Like with being a business owner in the pandemic is, is lovely. <laughs> <laughs> we need and to create some space for ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like, woo, it, you know, it, it, it has so many ups and downs and it has so much uncertainty and, you know, everything along those lines. And one thing that I've been doing, um, you know, as you and I both probably do, we keep track of the numbers because we're business owners and, mm -hmm. you know, like, I just need to know, like, I need to be able to project if something's coming down the pipe or not. I'm not trying to get too involved in the fear, like the fear of things. I'm not getting involved in like, dude, honestly, I think that you and I both, I mean, in, in all transparency, I supposedly already, already, I already had it. I got a, you know, um, I had a serology test back in May that, you know, came back with positive antibodies. So, um, you know, every other test that I've, and I've gotten tested numerous times since then, just as a precaution for myself and, you know, my student body, um, and all of them have come back negative. So, you know, like, it's just one of those things that I think that that's just being a responsible person. Um, and then on top of that though, like looking at the numbers and just trying to understand, like, where's my academy going to go, you know, like, how are we going to deal with some of these things? You know, like, how can I better be prepared than I was with the first, you know, lockdown for any possible lockdown, if there is one, you know, um, mm -hmm. and for you and I, like the state just literally changed all the, you know, like what they were going to do anyway, like a bunch of the counties around us are starting to move to now that they call level orange. And before their statement was like, if you go to level orange, then everybody's got it. All gyms need to shut down and go virtual mm -hmm. only. And then the, mm -hmm. you know, um, state health department came back and said, well, just 25% or 25 people, whatever's less. And, yeah. you know, like, yeah. so I'm, I'm very happy that we get to stay open and still operate, you know? Um, but yeah, man, I think that it's, a. Uh, with everything, it's just learning how to take that breath and understand like the, and getting back to the four agreements is I'm doing the best that I can, right? Just do the best that you can. Like I've got my protocols in place. I've got the best things that I can do to ensure the safety of my members, you know, like all those things. And that's, that's all I can do. And all I can do is what I can do. And that's what I've been reminding my students of this week with all the turmoil that's going on. And it's not even really turmoil. It's some of it's manufactured turmoil, you know, like mm -hmm. that we create these things for ourselves, but just reach out to somebody. To me, that's one of the most important things that we can do in this time is just show some love for other individuals that we already know. You don't have to reach out to a stranger. You don't have to show something, but like how many of us are struggling? you know, including myself, how many of us are, are, you know, have these racing thoughts or have these bouts of anxiety, you know, like we, we're not, we're, we're human, we're not impervious. So, you know, reach out to somebody and say, like, you love them, like reach out to somebody and, and tell them what it is about them that you really appreciate and that you, you, you really hold dear, you know, like, man, that, that just alone could, it's going to go so far. And then that person might do that with one or two of their people. And then, 
you know, it's just the, the pass it on kind of mentality. Um, mm-hmm. And that's, that's what I have control of, right? I have control of how I react to this stuff. I have control of what I can do with the people that I have surrounding me and how we can, as a group, control what, right, they can do and reach out to somebody and help them better understand what, you know, they may be going through. Like, dude, having a 10 minute conversation with somebody might be the difference between them, unfortunately, taking their own life or not. Yeah, which is a real consideration in, in our time with um, skyrocketing mental health challenges um, in all demographics and age groups. No one's, no one is immune to it. And the more isolation that we have, the the more challenging it gets. And bro, in the last two weeks, man, in the last two weeks, I've literally heard of two people close to me experience suicide in their lives. Just in the last two weeks. Mm-hmm. that that two for me is people yeah that are close to me like two people that i hope that you know like are involved in my life consistently they one of them just got back from a funeral right and the other one like the other one heard last week of one of his you know one of his friends taking his own life so um it's not my place to obviously divulge any more than that but like yeah man, of course that's that hurt me you know? So that's why I was like, man, I gotta like, what can I do in my position? Yep. Hey, let's, let's spread love, man. Let's really, and truly let's take some time to like, just give a little bit of love to somebody, you know, forget all this divisiveness, forget all this other stuff. Like that's, that's manufactured by people that want us to feel that way. Yeah. Sad. In reality. Yeah. You know, like, and it doesn't have to be it doesn't have to be the people that are in power right now. I mean, I'm talking globally. Like there's, mm-hmm. there's other groups out there that would love for us to do what we're doing right now. Mm-hmm. You know? So, um, man, just get back to the roots. Get, and that's just it. That's to me, that's what the beauty of jujitsu provides is getting back to roots, getting back to an understanding of what we've lived as people for a much longer than what we've experienced in the last 250 years you know like the new the like just how much the nuclear family has devolved in western civilization you know like and how we look down upon people living in multi-generational homes like no mm-hmm. and that's that's like that's the gold right there like you get to have you get to have experiences and share those kinds of things with much more people than yourself which is i think leading to the mental health crisis we feel so isolated we feel so alone right like nobody's going to care about me no one's going to care if i just you know like off myself and that's coming from someone who's you know like through my life i've had those struggles right multiple times man i've had multiple bouts of depression through my life so and i had many times where like some of the best things were happening in my life. And on the flip side of that, like, dude was still thinking about ways to like, is this the day and how am I gonna do it? You know? Um, so it's, but really man, like using jujitsu to come back to a semblance of understanding of how people have lived for millions of years. If, you know, I, I, it doesn't matter what you believe, but like for me as an anthropologist and, <laughs> you know, looking, <laughs> having studied what I've studied, I, I definitely, you know, and our genes reflect that there's all kinds of science that supports the fact that we, you know, like we've evolved from, you know, astrolopithecine and on down the way, Homo erectus and, you know, um, uh, and have, have eventually become anatomically modern human, you know, um, and the way of life for those pastoralists and those horticulturalists and those hunter gatherers, you know, like, you know, like for us in the modern world, we, we have this really poor idea, this, this, like, like we see shows like naked and afraid or alone on TV. And we're like, man, look at how hard those people are working. Like that would just suck to have to be in the environment that long. And like, oh my goodness. And we get to sit from the comfort of our home where literally everything's climate controlled in our lives, right? Like 
we get to choose how warm our car is. We get to choose how warm our house is. We get to choose like, and we literally spend all of 15 minutes outside in a given day, you know, like to be like, oh, well, and man, God, it's so warm outside. I hate it. Or God, it's so hot outside and I hate it. And it's like, or it's so cold outside and I hate it. It's like, you've spent all like 10 minutes outside today. Like, how can we really form this opinion of something that A, we have no control over and B, like, in reality, man, like we're doing okay. But through ethnographic analysis, you know, where um, uh, cultural anthropologists and archaeologists went and they studied, um, you know, in the 60s, 50s and 60s, and they studied um, people that were still practicing hunter-gatherer, you know, lifestyles. And, you know, we really found that like the Kung is a great exam example. Um, did you ever see the movie, The Gods, the Gods Must Be Crazy? Yes. Right. So like back in the day and then they find the Coke bottle and they start fighting over the Coke bottle and all that stuff. Right. So um, the Kung lived in the Serengeti in Africa, you know, and that's one of the harshest environments on the planet. You know, um, droughts are common and lack of water and they lived there, you know, and they thrived there. And most people would assume that, man, they had to just been working their tails off, like constantly going out to find, you know, to gather fruits and berries and, you know, tubular roots and everything. And then, man, they had to have been hunting all the time. But I'm going to ask you this question, uh, Dave, like how many hours a week do you think on average those hunter-gatherers spent procuring their resources and actually working? Oh, I don't know, maybe, maybe five, 10 like on average 12 hours 12 hours a week 12 hours a week you know what the rest of that time the majority of the rest of that time was moving spent no it was sitting in camps right it was yes it was making some improvements to your camps probably it was you know spent leisurely making the necessities that you needed but then it was all about story it was all about community it was all about ritual it was all about ceremony you know, and those were those true human connections. That's the way we lived. As, it doesn't matter where we come from the globe, man. It doesn't matter what, you know, culture we come from. All of us in our past have this. To where we relied on the land for our resources. We relied more on our, on each other than we ever have. Mm -hmm. Now I can, I don't need to rely on, on you to procure my resources. Someone delivers it to my door. <laughs> You know, like, <laughs> but as far as my, as far as like, you know, our ability to self-sustain, man, it's, it's a, it's something that is, is lost, you know? So for me, that's one step that jujitsu provides. Jujitsu provides that ability. And the other side is, is like, we've taken, we've taken the ability of people to fight and to get aggression out, you know, like in schools, like think about. I know, I know from personal experience being in, you know, the, uh, a jujitsu instructor, like I've had several students who have gotten in altercations at schools to def like literally defend themselves. They tell me the story of what happened and they literally were attacked or bullied and they decided to defend themselves and they defended themselves in a very, what I view as a very, res you know, responsible response where they took the person down and held them down and didn't throw a strike, didn't throw a punch didn't choke, didn't arm lock, nothing, just got the attention of another um, adult and they still got suspended. You know, like we're punishing people for having a reasonable response to, you know, being, having violence, you know, against them. Um, and to me, like bringing some of that back because you look at, so I don't know if you've ever read the book, Black Elk Speaks. Mm -hmm. um, it's a really, really good book. If, if you're into ceremony or if you're into Native American traditions, you know, like I, I highly recommend it, you know, um, um, it's, uh, but he speaks about how even, you know, like the Lakota, they would have, they, the preteens and teens would get on horses and, and play battle, you know, like they would have that physical contact with each other. They would basically war, they would practice war, like, um, the game lacrosse right? Like 
you know about lacrosse. Well, lacrosse is actually a Native American game. It was the Iroquois and, you know, a lot of, and some similar tribes in the Northeast, you know, Northeast America that formulated this game with a net and a ball, like a small circular rock. And they would, you know, that's basically another form of, of warfare, right? So they, mm -hmm. they could practice warfare was a game that they played, you know, it's where there was physical contact. Like this is all stuff that we've had for, many many generations and now we're just like don't can't touch each other you know like we we can be totally connected with this device but like man you cannot don't don't go near people yeah you know right. um and jujitsu provides that right it does it, yeah i'm 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 processing all of that storytelling that you're going through and what comes to me for the what comes to the surface for me is i started jujitsu to overcome some claustrophobia and to get far outside my comfort zone, because I was always the little guy in school. I was always a little guy on my sports team. I was always a little guy in my friend group. So I wasn't able to defend myself as a kid because I didn't have the skills. And to ensure that I'd be able to protect myself as an adult, I found a safe environment, a controlled environment to learn those skills. And now, four years later, I don't even process the word claustrophobia. Yes, I still feel like a 205 pound opponent on my chest. And I'm like, this sucks. But I do know, like you said earlier, that I'm safe. He's not intentionally trying to hurt me to physically harm me. He is, he is competing against me. But it's just one way for me to be exposed to something really challenging and to trust myself that I can overcome. Absolutely. And, and how many times have you spent time on the mat after jujitsu i mean maybe not in this climate but you know previous to the pandemic like how much time have you spent on the mat like an hour you know sometimes like just sitting there rapping with teammates sitting yep. there talking to the professor like hearing stories of them getting ready for competitions or you know like hearing stories from their lives like that's the other realm you know, that's the other side. It's like, uh, you know, a student said yesterday, he was like, man, I work from home all the time. And like, you know, with it being the pandemic, I'm not going to see anybody. Like, this is literally my socialization, socialization every day. You know, like mm -hmm. me coming in here is where I get my socialization. This is where I get to actually talk to other human beings outside of my workplace, you know, over a computer screen. He's like, I, I, I love coming in here because of that. I need it. Like for for my stability mentally, emotionally, physically, spiritually, I need that routine and I need that ritual, which is something that I've brought into my life willingly. I'm a willing participant of, okay, I'll be your Uki. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'll be your training partner, even though I'm scared to death of 250 pounds on me, but I'm willing to create this ritual and a bond between a teammate that only wants the best for me. You know, there, there are two, there are two blue belts in our school that we're monogamously training. So we have three to four to five training partners three days a week. And each of us get to know each other really well. And there's a blue belt that I'm like, in a sparring round, I look at him and I say, Hey man, there's an arm bar right there. Cause he was struggling with uh, looking for bow and arrow and I'm okay. Well, if it's not, if it's not here, then it's there. But I know that we don't get that community time after class on the mat where I could, I could mention that to him. But like in the middle, if, if I'm paused and comfortable and under control and he's going for something, I see it's not there, but I know where I'm weak. Hey man, the arm bar is there, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I told my students the other day, like, uh, <laughs> I can't wait to train with them again, you know, cause like we have our little coaches pod basically, you know, like that the coaches are basically the ones that like interact with each other. And then there's different pods where the students interact with each other and there's no cross contamination. I think it's just the way that most of us, you know, a lot of our community is operating at this time. Um, at least I, well, it's not for me to say anyway, but, um, but yeah, I think that um, in that sense, like 
you know, uh, we have two female coaches and, you know, they're both smaller individuals and I'm not the smallest individual in the world. <laughs> I'm, you know, like I'm 220 pounds, like six, almost six foot four. So, you know, like one of them is like 105 pounds maybe. And then other ones like a little more than that. So, um, you know, they both, and they're both, you know, rolling with us constantly. My business partner, Ruben, he's, you know, He's a, a larger individual also. And then we have Adam Maslach, who's another one of our black belts that, you know, teaches at the academy and he's 209 pounds, you know, 210 pounds. Like, so they're constantly, that's who they're constantly rolling with. And I was telling, you know, one of our coaches, Selena last night, I was like, I can't wait to see like you roll with some of those newer white belts, you know, like I can't wait to see their faces and their egos just get slaughtered by like a little 105 pound purple belt, you know, like mm. that's going to be amazing to me because they get to see and feel the effectiveness of jujitsu. That's really what it is. It, it, to me, I focus, yes, it's an ego killer, but that's up to that person to mm. deal with that, e right? The killing of their to ego. To take it that way. Yeah. Yeah. But what it really is, is the, it, it's really showing the effectiveness of jujitsu. It's really, you know, illustrating how technique and leverage is the key, right? That strength and power, like, I mean, anybody can have strength and power, but there's always going to be somebody that has more strength, you know, technique and leverage than you. And if they know the technique and leverage, it doesn't matter how much strength and power you have. Now it's when you get to other realms, right? When you have all the strength and power and you have the technique and leverage, but again, that's where it becomes more of like, how much restraint can I have? Hey, I've got those things in my back pocket all the time. I've got athleticism, athleticism, I've got strength, I've got power, I've got, you know what I mean? My explosiveness. But when should I use that? Because now, you know, like because of how much technique and leverage I have, right? Like, and that's mm -hmm. the balance. That's as you learn in, you know, and progress in jujitsu, you understand those things. You understand where that balance lies. Whereas like that brand, me included my brand new white belt self a long time ago, you know, like it was all balls to the wall flopping like a fish, you know, like there's mm -hmm. always the joke in jujitsu that if you, if you want to know what a street fight's like, roll with the brand new white belt. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I had a, I had to check your ego moment just on Wednesday night. Uh, with a white belt teammate of mine and we roll consistently a little spazzy, but he's getting better as he gains experience and he's attempting really, really diligently to finish a, a, a leg lock on me, you know, a straight ankle lock. And I was in the moment thinking, don't tap to this white belt who's attempting very with average technique, uh, to finish this leg lock. And I got to the point of like, well, my coaches always tell me that if I feel unsafe because somebody else's technique is not quite uh, finessed enough to do it safely, tap before the, the knee blows out. You know, and that phrase went through my mind of like safety over ego, because if I blow out my knee, I can't train. And if I blow out my knee, he learns nothing. So afterward I said, Hey, you know what? Um, honestly, I did not tap to the, to the leg lock. I tapped to the safety of it. If you're trying that hard to finish it, it's probably not there. Let's move on. You know? And I, I felt that that was me experiencing ego in the moment, staying present enough on the mat so that I didn't get hurt and being conscious of it enough not to react, get frustrated with somebody else where I used to be there. I was just like him. And that's the biggest reminder that we all need to carry in jujitsu is like, that's to me, um, one of the most important things that I think that for myself, I've done through my career is I never forgot what it was like to be a white belt. Mm -hmm. Hey folks, I hope you're enjoying today's episode. I want to invite you to join us for our brand new men's mentorship program that begins August of 2021. What we're creating here is a place where men can feel seen and heard so that they can learn and understand what healthy masculinity looks like to them as they work their way through this world. 
Don't hesitate to reach out to me. Click the link in the show notes below to sign up for a free week trial now. Now back to today's episode. Yeah, we have this, uh, we have this white belt mentality outside of the school too. always be learning. I, I think I've heard you say this before of white belt mentality. What else can you learn about a technique you've been doing for 16 years with fresh eyes and fresh mind and a fresh perspective, like a brand new white belt? Dude, and I love being a white belt in other aspects of my life. Like you mentioned, like I've taken up um, photography again recently, you know, and like being a, like starting from scratch, like, man, it's amazing. And it's amazing to be the student again, you know, like, um, cause we're all black belts in other realms. And that's the other thing that I tell students too, is like, man, you might not be a black belt in here, but there's one other, there's at least one or two other aspects that you are, you know, like I know that we have a purple belt student that's dude, he's a, he's a master fly fisherman, you know, like that dude is like, that's a black belt fly. Like that's where your black belt is. I can learn something from you. You know, and that's the other side of the coin is like if in life we take that jujitsu approach, you know, to like, you can learn anything from, you can learn something from someone, right? And like, I can even learn something from a white belt, even in jujitsu on the mat. I can see like, because it's, it's, it's raw, right? Their reactions are so raw and it's so pure to just be a reaction because they're not playing the game of jujitsu yet, Mm -hmm. right? Like, Otherwise, once you get a blue belt, like you pretty much know the game of jujitsu. You understand like, and it's in this little box, you know, and like when you roll with someone else, like in that realm, it's pretty much that box until something new comes in. Like if you start throwing strikes, then like I've seen people that have black belts, literally like they don't know jujitsu anymore. (laughs) You know, (laughs) It it completely goes right. Like some of Mm -hmm. that stuff goes right out the window because now we're getting punched in the face, you know, like Mm -hmm. um, what's the famous uh, Mike Tyson, um, you know, quote that everyone has a plan until they get punched in the face. That's right. um, (laughs) So in that sense, like, um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, that's what makes jujitsu so much fun, man, is like, um, it's, it's infinite it's not infinite because of what our bodies do. I mean, we might have statistically, you know, small variations in, in joint flexibility, but all our joints, like our elbows all bend the same way. Like there's not people out there that have, you know, elbows that bend the opposite way. Like if you apply that arm lock, that arm, that they might have a little more flexibility, but at some point it's going to, something's going to break. Something's going to, right, rupture. It's, it's not going to be good for them. But what makes jujitsu infinite is here, like our minds, how, what you perceive in jujitsu and like your previous experience in life that like things that you just get drawn to, I'm sure in your jujitsu career, like as you learned, there were some things that like took longer to learn. And there's some things that were just like made sense to you Mm -hmm. for some reason some neurological thing, some neural pathway that you would already, you know, like done in some realm somewhere else. Like it just created a little bit of a shortcut to where your mind was like, yeah, that little light bulb moment was like, oh, oh, okay. Like I get that. I understand where I need to go with that. And then that's something that's a part of your game as a blue belt now, right? Like it's something that you go to often. It's something that you recall more easily. And then there's still the other realms that you need to work on more that you need to have a better understanding of. Sometimes I have squirrel moments, so I apologize. <laughs> That's all right. That's all right. I do want to, I do want to pick your brain on um, how important the lineage and culture is. Uh, you and I have the connection of Dave Ruiz as an instructor and a black belt in our lineage, you know, um, how important is that to reflect and stay connected within the culture of where you've come from the last 16 years? Um, for me, I'm super, I'm, I'm very proud to have been a white belt to black belt under one person. Um, to have that consistency in instruction. Uh, I started early enough in jujitsu that, you know, like I remember the times when, you know, 
oh, oh man, did you hear that Marcelo's X Guard DVD is coming out? You know, and we wouldn't have <laughs> like information for months, you know, like it would be six months to a year before like a new DVD set would come out and we'd be like, ah, you know, and everybody would rip it and share it in the academy, you know, or, or whatever it was. Now, like we're inundated, and this is every aspect of life. Um, we're inundated with information. You know, we're, we're constantly getting a notification. We're constantly getting distracted by something, you know, like in, in, I love how enthusiastic people are in jujitsu in the beginning. I love it. But at the same time, I also try to remind them, like, if you have, if you learn a Kimura and you learn that Kimura at the very beginning from eight or nine or 12 different instructors, like meaning the internet, how good is that? How good is that understanding of that Kimura going to be? Because literally what's going to happen is your mind, like neuro, like thought process wise, your mind's going to come to a block because it's going to try to process all those different forms of that Kimura all into one moment to where you see it. And then you're going to, it's going to pass because you don't mm -hmm. know what to do from there because it, you say, well, this guy said to grab like that. And that guy said to yeah. grab like this yeah. and you have all this conflicting information. So to me, it's very vital to have that consistency of instruction mm -hmm. in the beginning, right? Mm -hmm. Like um, for me personally, um, some of it was availability. I mean, when I started jujitsu, I think there was like three or four black belts in the entire state of Colorado. Um, which is crazy to think about that, like we have well over a hundred now, you know, um, that's how much jujitsu kind of grown. Um, but like that consistency was so important. I didn't start stepping out, um, from learning from Dave in many senses, other than seminars, uh, until I was a purple belt, you know, like, um, the consistency and seeing it taught the same way. And now like, and I think that as a purple belt, you're a black belt in disguise, right? Like the, the amount of time, the amount of devotion, dedication, hours spent on the mat, like, dude, you are, all you need is a few more pieces and some refinement, which is like the rest of your purple belt and your brown belt. And then you get a black belt. Like, um, so as a purple belt, you have, you have the ability because of how many times you've failed at something because how many times you've repetitiously failed at getting it, you have a much better understanding for yourself how to do a Kimura on different types of bodies. And then you can see another person teach it and you can say, ooh, that's a good piece. That's a small, oh man, I haven't seen that variation of it. But at mm. first, dude, all you see is like 12 different Kimuras and you don't know which piece is going to fit where and what you should do. And it's just like, it just creates this muddled mess. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's my two cents on, on, <laughs> on that realm of jujitsu, but getting back to your initial question. Um, I told you, I go on, I go on little tangents, but, um, squirrels, <laughs> they're real. <laughs> they're, they're everywhere, man. I get, I, I love this stuff. I get, I get really excited about jujitsu. Right. Um, and, uh, for me knowing, and that, that leads it, that, that definitely relates to the, the conversation, um, and the question, but to have an understanding of where we come from, um, for me, understanding where Dave came from for, you know, anyone else understanding what their lineage is, um, understanding how close we are to the source. And I know that there's all kinds of different sources. I'm not saying that like, oh, um, I like kneel down to any, you know what I mean? Like, I think that like, man, I'll put it this way in my own life. I'm not a fan of anyone because fan is a right short for fanatic. I'm not fanatical about any other human being because I know that human beings are inherently flawed, right? Like, um, and like, I respect, I respect their game. I respect what they do in life. I respect their point of view, but I'm not a, I'm not an inherent fan of anyone. Like I don't get fanatical because I think that's where you cross kind of a line mentally, mm -hmm. right? Like, um, so, but I am proud of where I personally come from. I'm proud of that, that you've had, you know, similar lineage in the beginning of your career also, like understanding like, Hey, 
Dave was at the Gracie Academy in 93. He, you know, was one of the first Americans to be inducted in an instructor's program there. Um, you know, if uh, you're familiar with Mauricio Zingano, you know, like my business partner, Ruben, he started under Mauricio. Mauricio and Dave were best friends. Um, him, them and Eric Meyer, who still lives out in California, they all started there. They all lived together. They all trained together. They all represented the cat, like the Gracie Academy in challenge matches as blue belts, you know, like, could you imagine? man, that's the wild, wild west of jujitsu, you know, the <laughs> early nineties where it's still like just open forum. Like I know this deadly form of karate and I'm going to go into your academy and I'm going to challenge you. And the, you know, and the family being like, uh, Dave, you're up, like go represent <laughs> us, you know, go fight this dude. And Oh, by the way, we don't want you to actually punch him. Like just open hand slap him and show him the effectiveness of jujitsu. So um, understanding that that's, that that's the realm that we kind of come from. And that's, you know, like how, how those early folks, you know, like the, um, John Crouches and the Burks and the, you know, like the Magalise brothers and, you know, all of those guys that were there, you know, uh, with Dave, like I said, Eric Meyer, Mauricio, like, you know, that, that first kind of group of people that they started to pour information into, like, and the way that all those gentlemen took it, like in all honesty, that first kind of those first American black belts, right? Those even outside of the Gracie Academy, you know, like those are the guys that I, if it was me or them in a dark alley, like I'm going to have a nice day. Like they might all be in their fifties or close to sixties, you know? And I'm like, that's the last generation of jujitsu folks, like that I would ever want to mess with, you know, like they, man, those guys fought all the time. Whereas now we, I feel that there's definitely more just, you know, like more division between, you know, like jujitsu is that core martial art. to like now be, you know, more like there is this sport realm. And then, you know, and I feel very fortunate that we came up in that realm of like all three, what I see is three phases, what I was taught as three phases, like self-defense, Valley Tudo, the fighting aspect of jujitsu, you know, and the sport aspect, you know, so um, and just compartmentalizing those things, you know, understanding that like, this is what I would use in this realm. This is what I would use here. This is what I would use here. Oh, here's something that I can use across all boards. But this one thing over here is definitely not something that I would use over here. Like just, you know, having compartmentalization in that realm, I think is, is vital. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. And um, Robert, I know that your time is value and I, valuable and I really appreciate you spending it with me today. And um, absolutely. I'll, have, I'll have to come visit the Academy at some point. Yeah, absolutely. I would, I mean, I can't wait till that time comes where we can, you know, get back to running some open mats and, you know, like uh, the, the, cause that's the other side of this whole coin, man, is um, it's not just each Academy right? Like sometimes at competitions, we go and we represent our academies and it's that, you know, form of tribalism. Um, but at the same time, like even there, there's the, there's the, you know, like, man, you compete against somebody and what's that like? Like, dude, oh man, I loved how you, like, even if you lost, like, man, you really caught me with that. How do you do that? Yeah. And then on top of that, like, man, we got to get back together again and roll. Cause I really like to, you know what I mean? I really have appreciation for your game. Mm -hmm. Um, in that larger community sense, man, is, is the, the other side to the jujitsu coin, right? Um, it it's is. not just always about who you train with at the academy. So I appreciate this time that um, your time also, Dave, um, you know, and thank you for having me on. And uh, I hope that uh, this conversation um, helps someone, right? Like that, that we have, you know, the ability to, to impact others. Cause really that's, that's at the root of me, man, that's what it really is about you know, like is, is teaching jujitsu in the sense that like somebody gets to learn more about themselves. Um, I, I always tell my students, like, all I'm doing is shining a light on the path. I'm not the end all be all. I'm not the master of jujitsu. I just happen to know more than you do from the years that I've spent. Right. And here I, I'm just going to shine a lot on the path, but the greatest thing is, is you have to walk it yourself. Mm -hmm. I can't, I can't walk it for you. Yeah, and that truth might change in the future. One of our, one of your students, one of my teammates, will eventually surpass and know more than I do, and know more than yourself. And we wish that for them. 
oh, it's uh, I'm training a bunch of I'm training a bunch of pit vipers to you know eventually bite me, right? <laughs> like that, that's what I want. I, I want to get bit one day, right? And the other side to that coin too is that's that's honestly my legacy. My legacy is is you know the passing on of this information. That was Dave's legacy to me, you know, and his other people that teach in a similar way, you mm -hmm. know, and um, that's that's what it's all about. That's what the Gracie family legacy is, right? That's what, you know, um, any the Machados, anybody that's involved, like, and passes this information on, like, that's the getting, if getting back to that whole aspect of hunter-gatherer society where we're passing on oral traditions, man, like, that's literally what we're doing in jujitsu. Yeah. Yeah. It feels, it feels authentic and it feels organic and it feels like we belong to something uh, greater than ourselves because we are right that's the that's the best part so yeah. um yeah man i appreciate again i appreciate your time i hope that you have a, a great day um and thank you again for having me on thanks for making time for me yeah it's my pleasure absolutely thank you again robert oh and okay. and if there's uh if there's a way that people want to get a hold of you what, what's the best way to do that um so the Academy of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu Arvada website. Um, my email is robert at arvadajiu-jitsu.com. Um, robert or wonderbjj99 is my Instagram handle. You can find me on Facebook. Um, generally, I'm like right now, man, I've, I've kind of honestly, like you can hit me up on Messenger. I probably won't respond to any posts. Um, I've pretty much silenced most of Facebook at this time. Um, That's great. Th there's just, there's too much stuff going on with that. Um, for me personally, um, others can enjoy and have whatever they want, but, um, otherwise man in, uh, the shucking in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu association. So, um, I've got two schools that are under me here in Denver, um, limitless MMA profound, um, profound or limitless martial arts, excuse me, and profound fitness. Um, they're both uh, affiliates of mine under the shucking in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu association. Then I also have two schools up in Wyoming, um, one in Rock Springs, Wild Faction, and the other Western Plains Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu in Gillette, Wyoming. So, um, if you if you want to reach out to me, or if you're ever traveling in those areas, just know like those are those are safe places. You know, I know that they always open their doors for everyone to come in. So, um, yeah, man, I, I appreciate it. Um, and again, I'm available, right? Like that's the other side of the coin. I don't mind having a five, ten minute, you know, twenty minute conversation with somebody. You know, if you're struggling with something or if you want more information about something like, man, like reach out. I think that, you know, being open in this time is vital. Mm -hmm. you yeah. Because, um, yeah, people are people are going through some stuff, man. So they are I think that uh, helping anybody that we can is, is going to be vital. So, yeah, I completely agree. And thanks for thanks for saying that. Uh, it goes a long way to help others understand that there's support. Yeah, community. I mean, jujitsu is a community, and like that doesn't mean that they're that, that we can't expand out to the community that's outside our, our own, you know. So, mm -hmm. um, bringing people together is way easy, like way more vital in my mind than than tearing people apart. So, let's uh let's keep on moving forward. Appreciate it. Thanks, Robert. Appreciate Talk it. to you soon. Uh, have a great day, bro. You also. Welcome to the Challenger Podcast. I'm Dave Glazer, and my purpose in life is to share the benefits of fitness, nutrition, and personal growth for mental health, to empower others to understand their authenticity. After 10 years in coaching, I've discovered that all that holds me back is my own mind and everything that it creates as its own limitations. I have found that self-awareness through the Enneagram, attachment theory, and leadership lights the path to freedom from limiting beliefs. Welcome to the community, and I'm honored that you're here. Please enjoy today's episode.